Well, welcome everyone. So glad that you could uh, join us. Hopefully you have your Bible. You're ready to jump into God's word. If you're new with us, welcome. If you've never tuned in uh, into our live stream before, man, we're so glad that you are tuning in, whether you're live with us, whether you're watching it later on in the week, we are glad that you made the choice to see what God wants to say to you today. So if you are new with us, I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Psalm 27. If you've been with us throughout this journey or for the last few weeks, you already know where we're going to be. And so you turn to Psalm 27 as well. We are in this series entitled Heart of a Lion, and we're answering this question. How do you, how do I live courageously in the midst of chaos? That's what we have been living in. Uh, that's what we're living in right now. Maybe some of you, this chaos has begun to feel normal. That probably concerns you. But nevertheless, our worlds have been turned upside down. And I think that's one of the things that's, that's unique about what we're experiencing is this has touched every person differently, more serious for some than others, but nevertheless, it has touched all of us. And so we're looking at God's word for the answers and how we live with a heart of a lion, how we live courageously in what we are experiencing. We gave this definition for heart of a lion. We've mentioned it every week. I'm going to give it again to you. If you haven't heard it before, it's this. Here's what we mean by heart of a lion. It is living with a courageous confidence in the character, who God is, and competency, what he can do in all circumstances. That that's what we mean when we say heart of a lion. And Psalm 27, I feel like, as well as any other passage of Scripture could, tells us how we can live with that courageous confidence in who the Lord is and what the Lord will do in every circumstance. But I also want to take a moment. I This is not lost on me. I want to take a moment and I want to speak to you on the other side of this camera who has never been to church before. And I know I've heard from some that, that go to our church that, man, they're so excited that you are tuning in, that you have chosen to tune in. You've never been to church before, or some of you, you haven't been to church in a long time. And what this pandemic has done is it has sparked an interest in you, a curiosity in you to engage in spiritual things, to say, man, the things that I have been looking to before this happened are now beginning to be revealed to me that there needs to be something more in my life. And if you are tuning in and that is you, I want you to know how glad I am that you have made that choice. And I just wanted to take a moment and let you know that. And we're going to speak more to you at the end of, of what God's desire for you is, if that is you. So whether you are in that camp or whether you are a follower of Jesus Christ and you've been that for a long time, man, I know that the Lord has something for us today because we say at Salem Chapel, when God's word is open, God's mouth is open. One of the things that we are doing is we are memorizing this psalm. I'm doing that right along with you. 
So I'm going to take an attempt to recite verses 1 through 6, and then we're going to look at verses 7 and 8 this morning. So here I go. Verse 1 says of Psalm 27, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers come to assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though a host or an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise against me, Yet I will be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in the shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent and he will lift me high upon a rock and my head will be lifted above mine enemies all around me and I will offer in his tent sacrifices of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Now, here's where we're gonna be this morning in verses seven and eight, where David says, hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. If you're taking notes, I encourage you to do so. Here's the title of the message this morning. Seek my face. Do you see David's desire there in verses seven and eight? And we're just gonna unpack that together this morning. Here's the idea that I want you to get today. It's this, that a heart of a lion finds its strength in seeking after the Lord. That David makes very clear in this psalm, and the Lord wants us to understand that strength is found when we seek after the Lord. And we're going to talk about what that means today. Because what I want you to understand is that seeking after the Lord brings strength when you, when I, am doing three things that we will find in these two verses. Look at it again at the beginning of verse seven. David says this, Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. Here's the first thing I want you to see. Seeking after the Lord brings strength when I do this, when I take my emotions to the Lord. Do you hear the emotion in verse seven when you look at it where David says, Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. He doesn't say, when I talk, when I say this. He literally says, hear me, Lord, when I'm crying out loud. Be gracious to me and answer me. Now, here's what's true of me in this pandemic that we have been in. This is our eighth week doing this virtually and, and, and online versus meeting together. Here's what, here's what I often do. I take my emotions to my wife I joke with her and I say, well, I'm, I'm half Puerto Rican. That's, that's my descent. And so I'm just an emotional person. And what I find I'm doing is, man, I take my emotions to Lori. I, I, uh, I, I tell her what I think about this whole thing that we're going through. And she's like, yes, I know. Quit raising your voice at me. Can, can, anyone, can anyone relate? I take my emotions to my friends. I'll call up my friends and I'll vent to them. Or uh, I take my, maybe you're like this, maybe, maybe you take your emotions out on social media, which can be very dangerous. Or you take your emotions out on your kids. I'm sure all of us, if we have children, have at one time or another, if we're being honest and transparent, we have raised our voices, we've snapped at our kids, we've taken our emotions out on those that we love. We've taken our emotions out on those that we're frustrated with. But I want to ask you this. Have you taken your emotions to the Lord? 
Because that's what David does. He makes clear in this verse, and let's not forget, these words are inspired by the Lord. So really, as David is doing this, the Lord is affirming that this is what we need to do. Listen, emotions are God-given. They're not a bad thing. They're God-given. Thank the Lord for emotions. None of us would want to walk around like a robot with no emotions at all. That would be a very boring world. You'd have very boring relationships. Praise God for emotions. They are God-given, but we have to know what to do with them. It's like a knife. A knife is a great thing when I'm wanting to cut a piece of meat, but a knife can also harm someone. So the knife is not good or bad. It's what I do with the knife that determines that. And emotions are the same way. They are God-given. They are a beautiful thing when they're used in the right way, but they can also cause tremendous harm if we don't know what to do with them. And the second half of Psalm 27, when you look at this Psalm of 14 verses, we are now in the second part of this Psalm. And when we get into verse seven, like we're in this morning, all of a sudden you begin to see a shift because David goes from making pronouncements of confidence on who the Lord is and what he can do. Now in verse seven, all the way through the end of this Psalm, David is now going to begin to pray to the Lord. You see a shift there. He makes statements about the Lord. He reminds himself who the Lord is. Now he's actually going to pray to the Lord based on what he knows about the Lord. So here's what I want to ask. If we're supposed to take our emotions to the Lord, and that's what David does in verse 7, I want to answer this question. Why should I do it? Why should I take my emotions to the Lord? Let me give you three reasons. And these three reasons aren't necessarily found in Psalm 27, but I'm going to use other passages of Scripture that help us answer this question of why should I take my emotions to the Lord? Why does the Lord want me to do that? And what I, what I want you to understand is Scripture interprets Scripture. So here's the first reason. Number one, the Lord is the greatest listener. Like, I wonder if it's ever been said of you, man, you are a good listener. Some of you have that gift. Others of us don't necessarily have that gift, and we have to work really hard at it. But I want you to understand that the first reason why I can take my emotions to the Lord. Why I should do that is because the Lord is the greatest listener. Listen to some of these verses. Psalm 4.3 says this about the Lord. The Lord hears when I call to him. Psalm 5.3 says, O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. Psalm 6.9 says, The Lord has heard my plea. The Lord accepts my prayer. Psalm 28.6, just the next psalm past what we're looking at in this series, says this, Blessed be the Lord, for he has heard the voice of my pleas for mercy. There's never going to be a busy signal when you reach out to the Lord with your emotions. There's never, the Lord's never going to say, why do you keep saying that to me and keep repeating yourself? No, no, no. Why? Because the Lord is the greatest listener. Here's a second reason why I should want to take my emotions to the Lord more than anyone else is the Lord has the broadest shoulders. The Lord has the broadest shoulders. Let me give you two passages of scripture. I've mentioned a, a couple of these before, but I want to mention them again. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 and 29. Such a great passage of scripture where the Lord says, Jesus says, come to me. I want you to come to me. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, 
and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What does Jesus say? You come to me when you are burdened, when your emotions are great, when your emotions are too heavy for you to carry. I have the broadest shoulder. The Lord is never going to say to you with your emotions as raw as they may be right now, he's never going to say, why in the world are you feeling that way? He's never going to say, I can't handle that. He's never going to say, I don't know what to say to that. He has the broadest shoulders. But what does that take? It takes us to mimic what the Lord says he is. What does, how does Jesus describe his heart? He says there that he is gentle. In other words, I'm meek. I am lowly in heart. I exercise humility. So when we are not flying off the handle, but we are meek, that's power under control. We exercise humility and go to the Lord and take our emotions to him rather than taking them out on someone else. What's the result? And we experience rest because the Lord has the broadest shoulders. Here's another reason that's found in James 1, 2 through 4 on why I can take my emotions to the Lord. The Lord has the power to change you and the power to change your circumstances. I don't have the power to change you. Your spouse doesn't have the power to change you. Your kids don't have the power to change you. Facebook doesn't have the power to change you. Your favorite news channel doesn't have the power to change you. The Lord has the power to change you and also change the circumstance. James 1, 2 through 4 says this, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. He doesn't say happiness there. He says joy. Nobody's going to be happy about the circumstance that we're in. No, no, no. Count it all joy. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness or endurance and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Where's the joy when you're in the midst of chaos, when you're in the midst of turbulence, when you're in the midst of a trial? The joy is not the trial. That's not where your joy is found. Your joy is found in God's faithfulness and understanding that you are going to be stronger after this trial is over. And the Lord is the only one that has the power to change you. Take your emotions to him. The Lord is the only one that has the power to change the circumstance. Listen, it's not found in our government officials, though we need to respect them. It's not found in anyone else other than the Lord is going to intervene in this. He already knows what is going to happen after this virus and this shelter in place and all of the different things, all the questions that we have. He knows the answers after those questions and he will be the same when the next thing that comes across our path that takes us off guard. The Lord has the power to change you in the circumstance. And that's why I take my emotions to the Lord. And there ought never to be a question in your mind that says this, the Lord does not want to listen to me or care for me. If you're struggling with that right now, I want you to understand that thought is not from the Lord. The Lord wants you to come to him. The Lord cares for you. Hebrews 4, 16 says this, let us then with confidence Draw near to the throne of grace. Draw near to him. Why? Because we have the assurance of what? That we may receive mercy and find grace 
to help in time of need. What I love about verse 7 of Psalm 27 is David is an example to us on where we need to take our emotions. We take them to the Lord. What did Jesus do? Jesus, God in the flesh, who put on human flesh, who was 100% man and 100% God. When Jesus was emotional, what did he do first? He went alone and he drew near to the Father. Remember what I said? Jesus is the perfect example of what it looks like to live with the heart of a lion. So number one, man, how do we find strength? How do we seek after the Lord's face? Man, we take our emotions to him. Here's the second thing. Look at what David says in verse eight. He says, you have said, seek my face. That word seek literally means to desire or to require. So it's that idea of, I need to desire the thing that I'm seeking, but I also desire it because I see it as something essential in my life that I need. So here's the second thing. Seeking after the Lord brings strength when I remind myself of what is true. Can I remind you of something that you and I need to be reminded of? And it sounds simple, but we need to remind ourselves of it today. The Lord doesn't lie. You can lie, I can lie, I've lied, you've lied. The Lord doesn't lie. Numbers 23, 19 says, God is not man that he should lie. And the best thing, not the good thing, the best thing that we can do in times of uncertainty is to remind ourselves right now what the Lord has said. What has he said? Because, man, you can pick up your remote and the first thing you do is you turn on the news and, and, and you read whatever articles you want to read and, and, and you, have, you have the outlets that you go to to read everything on the coronavirus and the policies that are being made and the provisions that are being made and when shelter-in-place orders are going to be lifted and whether or not they should be lifted and, and how soon they should be lifted. And you could read all of that stuff. But the best thing that you could do during this time And the healthiest thing you can do in this time is to remind yourself of what the Lord has said. That's what David says. He says, Lord, here's what I'm gonna do as I'm crying aloud to you, as I'm taking my emotions to you. I'm gonna remind myself of what you have said. That's why we're memorizing Psalm 27. That's why I want you to memorize that. And you're like, man, I've never memorized anything before in my life. Listen, I'm having to learn a new verse every week because I'm the one on the other side of this screen. But if you're like, man, I can't memorize a verse every week, don't be legalistic about it. That's okay. You work on it at your pace. But remind yourself of what the Lord has said because we need to understand that every day we are faced with this choice. And the choice is this. Am I going to filter information through the truth of what God has said? I'm not saying we shouldn't you know, do research. I'm not saying that we should do our own homework on all of this. I'm not saying any of that. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. But what we need to do is we need to take our fears and we need to filter them through the truth of God's word. We need to say, these are the fears that I have. These are the, these are the questions that I have, but let me filter them through the truth of 
the word of God. Let let me remind myself of what you have said. And David says to himself, what you've said, Lord, is seek my face. Listen to me. The Lord is not distant to you in this time. He's not distant. There could be a lot of other people that you feel are distant. You'll be struggling with feeling alone right now. I want you to understand the Lord is not distant from you during this time. The Lord is not cavalier to your circumstances. It grieves him that you're experiencing the circumstances you are experiencing. But what he's saying to you is the same thing that he said to David. Seek my face. And he's using those fears and he's using those questions and he's using those things that are the result of us living in a fallen world and he's using them so that you will hear louder than anything else what God is saying to you. Seek my face. Matthew 6, 25 says this, therefore I tell you, this is Jesus speaking, greatest sermon that was ever preached, Sermon on the Mount, If you're wondering, man, what do I read in God's word? Why don't you read Matthew 5 through 7? It's the greatest message that has ever been preached. Jesus says this, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Can we just stop there? Jesus says, don't be anxious right now. What you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body. Couldn't we put all of our fears right now into those three categories? What you will put on, look at what he says in verse 32, for the Gentiles, what he's saying there is he's saying for the people that are not my children, for the people that don't have a relationship with me, for the people that don't have any desire to want to have a relationship with me, they seek after these things. They're consumed by those things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them all. What I love is Jesus is not minimizing those fears that you have, what you'll eat, what you'll put on, what you'll, what, what, um, What else does he say? Nor about your body. He doesn't minimize those things. That's not what he's doing here. What he's saying is, is, hey, your heavenly father is going to take care of those things. But what does he say our responsibility is? Verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What is Jesus saying? It's similar to what David says. Lord, you have said to me, seek my face. I was thinking about the first time in my life where I really understood this and it really impacted me in a way that it hadn't before and I thought back to my sophomore year at college some of you are gonna you're gonna see a picture of me my sophomore year and one thing you'll notice about me I I'm a whole lot skinnier and I got a heck of a lot of more hair um, but that's a picture from my sophomore year in my dorm room 1996 I was 20 years old and most of you know, if you go to our church, that I have five younger brothers. I was the oldest, so I'm, I'm blazing the trail. Oldest child, and I'm going to school, and I had to, I had to pay for my way through school. And I had to work all through high school, save every bit of money to pay my way through school. And it came to the fall year of my sophomore year. And I know go, going into that year, I wasn't sure how I was going to pay for that year. But my parents and myself, we really felt like we needed to step out in faith, and I was to start that school year. And it was October of 1996. And I was faced with a dilemma that I didn't have any more money to make the next tuition payment. And so I was faced with the decision, Lord, if you don't provide in some way, then I'm going to have to go home and I'm going to have to work and I'm going to have to come back to school when I have more money. 
And I remember up to that point in my life, I had never really been faced with anything that was burdensome or heavy to me or was really stressing me out. Up to that point, I'd seen the Lord provide many times for my parents. But as a 20-year-old kid, I, I really hadn't experienced anything on my own. And I remember as every day went by in that month of October, I remember becoming more and more worrisome and more and more troubled. And I remember just one time, the one of the few times that you were ever alone in your dorm room, and I remember being alone in my dorm room and kneeling down by my bed and just calling out to the Lord and saying, Lord, you got to intervene. And I'm scared and, 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 and I don't want to go home. And, and, it, and literally, I'm not exaggerating. When I got up and I was done praying, the phone rang in my room and it was my dad on the other end of the line saying that a family in the church that I was attending said, felt led of the Lord to pay for my entire year of school. That was the first time up to that point as a 20-year-old young man that I saw the benefit of taking my emotions to the Lord and reminding myself of what is true and focusing on what I could focus on and seeking the Lord's face and allowing him to handle everything else. Now listen to me. I'm not saying that if you do that, you're gonna get a call on the other end of the line and something's gonna magically happen because the reality is, is I've had other events since that time where I've wanted a phone call to happen immediately after I got up from hitting my knees and the Lord other times has said, no, 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 I want you to grow by waiting. But I'm here to tell you, I share that simple story to let you know that it's those types of things that I've even been reminding myself during this time for me to remind myself of what David says. Man, I need to take my emotions to the Lord. I need to remind myself of what is true. And here's the last thing that I see and where we can find strength when we seek after the Lord. He says at the end of verse eight, my heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. I love verse eight because what David does, he says, Lord, this is what you tell me to do and this is how I'm gonna respond. See, seeking after the Lord brings strength when I, here's the third thing, preach what is true to my heart. It's not just enough to remind myself what is true, it's for me to take that information and, and respond to it correctly. And David, what he does, he says, Lord, I know what you say, I know what is true, and I'm gonna preach it to my heart. It's no mistake that it says heart there. Because heart literally has this idea in the Hebrew, and it speaks of your mind, it speaks of your will, and it speaks of your emotions. So what David is literally saying is with my heart, with what I am thinking about, with what I am going to do, with even what I feel, Lord, all of those things I am going to point to say, no, 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 my heart, my mind, my will, my emotions, they are going to seek after you. Now, here's the problem that we so often have. It's a problem that you have, it's a problem that I can have, is when we don't see the outcome that we desire, when we feel like God isn't moving fast enough, we conclude and then we preach sermons to our hearts that say this, well, God isn't listening. God isn't listening. God doesn't care. God isn't working. And we preach faulty mes messages to our heart. 
And because we're preaching faulty messages, our heart doesn't want to seek after the Lord. We touched on that last week. Maybe that's why your heart doesn't want to seek after the Lord is because you haven't been preaching to your heart what is true. Matthew 7 verse 9 says this, which of you, Jesus says this, which of you, Sermon on the Mount once again, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will he give him a stone? Like if your son or daughter said to you, mom or dad, what's to eat tonight? And, and we're hungry and, and, and we need to eat something. And you're like, well, kids, we're gonna have rocks for dinner tonight. No, none of you would do that. Seriously, you wouldn't do that. Verse 10 says, or if he asks a fish, will he give him a snake? What's Jesus doing here? He's saying, man, we're all sinful people. Like I said before, man, I've lashed out at my kids. I've gotten angry and, and been frustrated with my wife. But what does the Lord say? Man, if you have that desire for those that you love, how much more, verse 11, will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? The Lord's gonna work this for your good, I promise you. Why? Because it's what the Lord says. And what the Lord says is always true. He doesn't lie. Psalm 3410 says this, those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. No one on the other side of this screen would say, I don't want the Lord to answer me right now. All of us want the Lord to answer, for, want the Lord to answer our questions, to answer our requests. But I want to ask you this. Are you willing to answer the Lord the way that he wants? We're so focused on, Lord, I want you to answer me. Really what we're saying is I want you to do things the way that I want. But is our heart willing to answer the Lord the way that he wants? See, the answer he wants from David and the answer he wants from you is what it says in the end of verse eight. Your face, Lord, do I seek. I want you to fill in this blank right now. I want you to evaluate your heart right now, your mind, your will, your emotions. And I want you to think, what would you put in this blank? My heart says, to use verse eight, blank, Lord, do I seek. What would you put in that blank right now? Think about it. Because whenever I allow anything other than what the Lord has said to preach to my heart, the result will be in that blank, not your face, Lord, do I seek, but it will be something else, Lord, do I seek. So as we close this morning, here's the last thing that I just wanna practically answer. How are you gonna seek the Lord in your chaos today? How are you gonna do that? And let me give you just some practical things that I've been doing in my life that aren't necessarily helping me think about tomorrow, but helping in me in my chaos today. Here's the first thing. Start off your day reading the Bible. And let me just give you a fair warning. These aren't some like, oh my goodness, I've never thought of that before. Start off reading your Bible. Get into God's word. Get into reading a reading plan. Get into a book in the Bible, whatever it is. Start off reading God's word. Work on memorizing Psalm 27. I promise you, I get no like repercussions from you memorizing Psalm 27. I get no residuals, I promise you. But I think it's gonna help you work on memorizing Psalm 27. There's rarely a day that has gone by in this crisis where I haven't recited Psalm 27, what I have memorized up to this point to my heart. Here's the third thing. Pray to the Lord transparently. Take 
your emotions to the Lord. He's the greatest listener. He has the broadest shoulders and he has the power to change you and the circumstance. Pray transparently to him. Pray out loud. David says, I cry aloud. And here's the last thing. Maybe you need to talk to a friend to encourage you. Man, pick up the phone. Don't text. Pick up the phone. Talk to someone that you know that's going to encourage you. Not someone that's going to bring you down, but someone that's going to encourage you. Those of you who've just who I talked to at the beginning of this, who have not been to church before, have, haven't been to a church in a long time, or you could have been tuning into this every single week. I want to speak to you right now because what I want you to understand is that God's greatest desire is that you would have a relationship with him forever. That's God's greatest desire. And he sent Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, to live a perfect life for you, to die on the cross for your sin, to be risen for you so that you could have a relationship with him. Listen, Romans 3.23 says, for all, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Ephesians 2.8.9 says, for by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not of yourself. Isaiah 64, 6 says, all my good deeds are like a dirty rag before the Lord. It's not of works. Why? So that no one could boast. The only person that we can boast to is God's love for me. And if you have never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then I want you to repeat this prayer after me. And this prayer is just meant to guide you. Say this, Lord, I confess that I'm a sinner. Lord, I repent of my sin which means I turn from my sin. I put my trust in you as my Savior. I believe that you died for me. I believe you rose again for me. I believe you lived a perfect life for me. I put my trust in you. Listen, if you prayed that prayer, I would love for you to let us know that. There's something on your screen that gives you the opportunity to let us know that. Please do that. We would love to follow up with you. Put resources in your hand. But if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, what the Lord is saying to you is what is true. That the Lord is saying, I want you to seek my face. And I want your heart, your mind, your emotions, your will to say, Lord, your face will I seek. Lord, we're here today, and God, I don't know what emotions are going on on the other side of this screen, but Lord, I pray that what we have heard today from your word is that, Lord, you want us to take our emotions to you. You want us to remind ourselves of what is true, and God, to take what is true and preach it to what our hearts are so often tempted to believe that you're distant, that you don't care, that you're not interested in what we're going through. And Lord, I thank you for a passage like this that reminds ourselves that we are not to live in fear, we are not to live in doubt, but we are to live with a courageous confidence in your character and your competency in all circumstances, to have a heart of a lion. May we be vigilant and diligent to practice that this week. In Jesus' name, amen. 
hey, here's one of the ways that we want to know how we can pray for you and you can help us with that. There's a couple survey questions that we would love for you to help us with. And the two questions are this, which emotion are you struggling the most with right now? We talked about taking our emotions to the Lord. Is it fear? Is it discouragement? Is it anger? Or is there something else that you can let us know? Because we want to know how we can pray for you. And then the other question was, where do you need to be diligent in seeking the Lord? And I listed some things there and letting us know, man, this is where I need to be more diligent. That's just a way to help us pray for you, a way that we can think about how we can help you on the other side of the screen. So we encourage you to do that and to let us know that.